Welcome to the Hokey Hangover Podcast. I am Andrew Alex, Ricky the Blue, Mike McDaniel. We're all in various locations, but today is the day. 7.30 a.m. on the morning of Tuesday, November 16th, 2021, the general public was informed that Virginia Tech and Justin Fuente had mutually parted ways. After six years, Fuente no longer the head coach of the Virginia Tech Hokies football program, a tenure that started with such promise, an ACC Coastal Division Championship and ACC Coach of the Year in just his first season was followed by consistent decline and consistent disappointments that also that ultimately led to Fuente's departure and reaffirmed that you do not want to be the guy that follows the guy. We'll get into it. We'll talk about the firing. We'll talk about Whit Babcock's press conference. We'll talk about the future, but first we're going to talk about our good friends over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the pharmacy you want to go to if you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number. And look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff We'll take care of everything you need. Jeremy, I think we're going to need to go get drinks tonight, buddy. <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say. But I want to hear what Mike McDaniel and Ricky LeBlue have to say. So get us started, boys. One day out. You go first, Rick. You're on the phone, so I want to give you the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I am, I'm currently sitting in the parking lot at my job uh, using my lunch break to talk about someone losing his job. Um, Look, this is a a time when we all kind of expected this was coming, but obviously no one expected it to happen at 7.30 on a Tuesday morning, uh, less than 24 hours after Justin Fuente had just given a press conference. Um, I guess apparently Justin and, and Witt had a meeting that they have every week, and um, Witt informed Justin that he could no longer guarantee that uh, Justin Fuente would be coaching beyond the season. And that was when uh, Justin ultimately decided that the two should part ways. Um, I, I think we need a bit more time than an emergency pod to discuss the way that this went down, because ultimately I think there are a lot of mischaracterizations out there. And uh, quite frankly, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit disgusted at the way some of the people are handling this. Um, but in terms of the the move for the program, it had to happen. Virginia Tech needs to go in a different direction. I think I think getting this out of the way before December 15th is a good move. I would have preferred that it didn't happen in the middle of the season, but uh, I, I don't think that I'd rather be on the early end of that spectrum than the, than the later end. And in terms of the, the remainder of the year, because, again, Virginia Tech has two games left, uh, I'm perfectly happy with the decision to bring in J.C. Price as the interim head coach. Um, whoever decides to take this job um, may look at J.C. Price as someone that they decide to retain. That's not unheard of. Um, it happened at Florida State when Mike Norvell took over that position. Um J.C. Price will be able to competently lead the program for the remainder of the season. 
Uh, you know he's emotionally invested, given that he's not just a um, an alumni and someone who has admired program or admired the tech program from inside and from out. But there are two rivalry games left on the schedule with Miami and Virginia, and J.C. Price is going to be as amped up as anybody. Try and make sure that Tech wins those two games. So um, those are my thoughts on it as we stand now in terms of the kind of the 15,000-foot view. Yeah, that's a pretty good summary. Uh, The one thing I'll add, Rick, is you and I were talking on uh, the preview for Duke briefly towards the end of the episode about when this move would be made. And I stood in the camp of, well, you can make it on December 15th if if you're going to be, you know, if you're with Babcock, you're going to be doing some background work, you know, in advance of that, right? And you said, no way, they got to do it before December 15th. Uh, buy out, buy out, be damned to a degree. Like they just kind of have to eat it in order to retain as much as they can of the signing class. Ultimately, we were both kind of right. So they reduced the buyout number. Uh, it's a mutual parting of ways. The buyout number is down from 10 million uh, to 8.75 million. Essentially, Whit Babcock and Justin Fuente agreed to meet halfway on. Uh, the buyout number that was going to be 10 million if it happened before December 15th and seven and a half million if it ended on December 15th or after that. And by doing this, you allow both parties to amicably split and you are now in a position, if you're with Babcock, to join the coaching carousel. And there are several coaching openings now, as we know, with Washington and USC open. You know, there's LSU that's open you know, several jobs out there, TCU, just a number of jobs at Virginia Tech would be swimming in the same waters for for an assistant, maybe not necessarily with USC and LSU, but certainly with the TCU job, um, Virginia Tech would be, you know, looking for candidates uh, that are very similar, I would assume, uh, in that regard. So Virginia Tech made this move. It was kind of peculiar with the timing. Uh, The thing I put out this morning that... Uh, you know, my, my immediate reaction was, wow, why is this happening at 7.30 on a Tuesday? Then I thought it over for about 15 minutes. I put out another tweet and said, you know what? This has probably been in the works for a little while, and they're probably working on, you know, a, a reduced buyout. That ended up being what it was. So, yep, a move that ultimately had to be made. I am good with the J.C. Price interim tag. That's that's a, that's a something I didn't actually think about when we were talking about it. I didn't think J.C. Price would be considered for interim, but I think that's a good choice. Um, and now Whit Babcock is in a position where he's not forced to have Justin Hamilton coach in an interim role and then potentially either uh, put him in a position where he could potentially be the next head coach through fan force where the fans would, you know, say, OK, well, we really like what we're seeing. If, you know, Virginia Tech were to finish the season strong under Hamilton, we want him to be the next guy that puts Whit Babcock in a tough spot. But it also protects Justin Hamilton's future as well, because if he were the interim head coach for two games and tech looked abhorrently terrible, then that maybe damages his image a little bit as well. So I I think it works out for all parties that it's going down the way it's going down. Yeah. And I definitely agree with one thing that Ricky said, the grave dancing is so distasteful. I mean, look, everyone on this podcast agreed and pretty much has agreed for the better part of, two years now i think we have maybe understood why he was retained at the end of 2020 but justin fuente wasn't the long-term solution for this program but at the end of the day you can see some of the stuff the players are tweeting out and the fact of the matter is 
when you take over a program like Justin Puente did at such a young age and your career seems to be going through the stratosphere and it ultimately doesn't pan out the way that you thought, especially given how well it started in Blacksburg. As I've mentioned many times before, you had national publications in 2017 writing articles about how Justin Fuente to Virginia Tech was the blueprint, was the roadmap on how to replace the legend. And here we are, four short years later, four long years later, the way it's felt, for being honest. And ultimately, you know, he's out the door, and that's not the case. People want to hang on the... Oh, look what he did. If you see the on Twitter, the James Mitchell Snapchat of Fuente leaving all of his Virginia Tech stuff on the ground of the locker room with a sign that says, take what you want, signed Coach Fuente. People trying to bang on his character for that. Let's think to yourselves. Is Justin Fuente going to go out to dinner tomorrow wearing a Virginia Tech collared shirt? The answer is no. He just got fired by them. He's just given his stuff. And Andrew, and Andrew, how do we even know that he wrote that? Like, I'm not... This is kind of the stuff that I was referring to in my opening monologue. I don't even know if I can believe half the things that I'm seeing on, on Twitter right now. That's one of them. The other one is, is apparently of Justin walking through the, the tunnel before the Duke game, and he doesn't touch the Hokie stone, and everyone's freaking out about that, and they act like it, he hasn't touched that damn stone a million times. The, the, the amount of slander that I'm seeing – about Justin Fuente on the day that he no longer is employed by Virginia Tech, it is incredibly disgusting. And as a fan base, I, I, I don't think that generally speaking, the fan base feels that way, but the ones that do should really channel that energy into figuring out who Virginia Tech's next head coach should be rather than dragging someone's name through the mud just because they don't like his, maybe his politics or they're not happy with his results on the field. Seriously. No, you're, you're absolutely right, Ricky. Justin Fuente is a good man. I have had plenty of pleasant interaction with him. I know people who have worked with him closer that talk about him as, you know, in some cases players, in some cases staffers, say he was a truly life-changing figure. People say that they would not be where they are today without Justin Fuente. I mean... And how think- many players have come out in the last... 30 minutes defending Justin Fuente and thanking him for what he's done. There, it, there's a, there's at least a handful. James Mitchell's Team done leaders. it. Trey Turner just did it. I mean, um, uh, Oscar Bradburn, a former player, just Jared did it. Hewitt. Yep. So it, 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 it's not like it's a bunch of, you know, random players that are out here. These are guys that have been serious parts of the program for basically for the last five or, or so years. So spare me with all of the the funny trolling on Twitter of Justin Fuente. I, I, I don't want to see it. The man's career at Virginia Tech is over. He's going to go somewhere else. I wish him the best. And I, I wish Whip Babcock luck figuring out who the next head coach is going to be. Because as Tim Thomas at the Tech Lunch Grill pointed out in the press conference today, Whip Babcock is going to need a little bit of luck because he's over for 2. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. You're absolutely right. So, you got what you wanted, people that wanted Fuente fired. And by the way, so did we. <laughs> so did we. There's no reason to disparage the man's personality and dance on his grave on the day that he lost his job. Because ultimately, I know the man's going to get in 
$8.75 million golden parachute. Probably doesn't really have to work again if he doesn't I, want to. I just, I, and Andrew, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I just want the program to be good. I don't care who's leading it. I just want the program to be good and in a good spot and well-respected. And uh, whether that was with Fuente or somebody else, I just wanted the program to be in a better spot than it was yesterday. And I, I think with this decision today, it was the right one. It was a tough one for Whit Babcock to make. And I think that Virginia Tech, hopefully in the long run, is better off for it. Yeah, and I know people, you know, always want to bang on Justin Fuente saying he doesn't come off as a very personable guy. He was, you know, very hard-nosed, very all-business, sort of the opposite of Frank Beamer in that regard. Not a great media face. But no one seemed to have a problem with that in 2016 and 2017. No one seems to have a problem with Nick Saban, who's very similar in that way because he's like one of the best coaches of all time. It's all about winning and losing football games. Justin Fuente might be a good guy. It's a results-oriented business, and those results did not come in the latter four years of his tenure at Virginia Tech. Henceforth, he is not the head coach of Virginia Tech anymore. But I do have one question for you guys regarding, you know, the the style of exit here. A lot of people banging on Fuente for the mutual parting ways situation, and what Babcock explained it as was which philosophy is I'm going to tell you I have faith in you and that you're my guy until I can no longer honestly say that anymore. It got to that point with Justin Fuente where he said, I can't guarantee that you're going to be the coach next year. Right. Basically means at that point, you're not going to be the coach next year. Right. And Fuente said, well, at that point, I might as well get on my way. Hence him leaving with two games left in the season. People saying he quit on the team. Do you view it that way? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, sorry, Ricky, I know you're, you're not on video, so I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I was just going to say, no, I, I don't see it as quitting on the team. I know it's going to be a popular thing that's going to be thrown around on, on social media the next 24 hours at Fuente quit on the team. I think that this is more of a, a situation where, you know, Fuente asked Witt a question, and only, only Witt and, and Fuente know, you know, what was said in, in their weekly meeting, but, you know, Fuente asked a question, Witt couldn't give him assurances that he would be the coach beyond this year. And I think Fuente just kind of acknowledged that he didn't feel wanted anymore. Right. So just figured it would be best to move on. And for Fuente, I honestly think it's best for him to move on now. If, if I'm in his shoes as the coach, you know, because you can do this in a way that, yeah, I understand, you know, some fans are going to latch on and say, Oh, he's quitting on the team. We, Cause a lot of the, these people don't like Fuente anyway, because of the way the, the program's been. So they're just going to say he quit on the team, but I see it more of, from Fuente's standpoint, like if you were in this situation, you see all these jobs coming open and not necessarily the big time jobs. Cause I don't think Fuente is going to be considered for any of those, but let's take the TCU head coaching job, for example. Right. I don't think Justin Fuente is getting hired at TCU, but you know, who's a really, uh, a really popular candidate for that TCU job right now, SMU head coach, Sonny Dykes. And if Sonny Dykes goes to TCU, could you see Fuente landing at Southern Methodist? I could, you know what I mean? So Get your get your hat in the ring earlier rather than later. And I think for, for Fuente, it was more of like, well, if I don't feel wanted here, then it's probably just best for me to move on. So I don't see it as him quitting on quitting on the kids and because the kids didn't quit on him. It was clear that I know everybody wants to dunk on that that punt play and in the Boston College game. But Fuente didn't quit on this team this year. I mean, they tried. They just weren't very good. And the kids were still playing hard for Fuente. I think that was evidenced in that Duke game this past weekend. So 
I don't think it was a situation where Fuente quit. I, I don't, I don't, I think that's a mischaracterization more than anything else, in my opinion. Let me break it down this way. How, how would everyone feel if their boss told them, well, effectively, I'm going to fire you in two weeks? What good does it do for Virginia Tech? What good does it do for Justin Fuente? What good does it do for the players for him to be a dead man walking for two weeks? It does nobody any good whatsoever. This was, this needed to happen. And I applaud Justin and Wick being able to have this very difficult conversation and coming to a conclusion now rather than them dancing around it and beating around the bush for two more weeks. Um, Justin made, I think, the right decision to say, you know, you guys, are go- you guys want to go in a different direction. It would benefit you all to do so now rather than two weeks from now. And it would benefit me if I get out of the way and I can go enjoy the holidays with my family and I can see what I'm going to do for the rest of my career. It benefits all parties involved. I don't think that Justin Fuente quit on this team. Um, if, if Whip Babcock tells him that he believes in Justin Fuente's leadership, then obviously Justin Fuente is going to continue coaching the program. Now, obviously, I agree with Whit in the sense that, no, I don't trust Justin Fuente's ability to lead this program to success. And again, I applaud both men for having that mature conversation and coming to a mature decision. And um, I, as a, a fan and an observer of the program, I appreciate Fuente accepting a smaller buyout, not forcing Tech to pay the full amount. And I um, am thankful that, that Wit was able to send Justin out, obviously, you know, by honoring at least some of the contractual obligations that they agreed to in those two contract extensions. So, no, I don't believe Justin Point they quit on the team. I think that's going to be a popular narrative, like you said, Mike, uh, for probably until Virginia Tech hires a new coach. Yep. Um, but it's, it, it, it's a shame. It's slander. And everyone that is repeating that message ought to think about it and, and, and second-guess themselves because really all they're doing is dunking on someone on Twitter, which has become well, popular these days. And quite frankly, I'm over it. Well, and just think about and just think about this critically. If you're Fuente, what good does it do you if you know you're not going to have your job beyond the next two weeks? What good does it do you to continue to continue coaching, right? Especially if it, you see it, all it, these it, jobs opening. In the, in the main point too, again, is that it doesn't do the players any good. Right. These right. guys are going to have a lot more fire under their ass for the next two weeks than they would have if they had known that the man that they were playing for was a dead man walking. Right. So, no, I, I don't think it would have benefited the, the players, the assistants, the support staff, the department, the fan base, to drag this out over two weeks if Fuente and Witt are able to acknowledge something face-to-face, which they right. clearly were. This wasn't a situation where, Witt, where Justin Fuente was begging, yep. Justin, or begging Witt Babcock to stay around. Right. Justin's going to just handled it like a mature individual and said, look, I understand you don't believe in my ability to, to lead the program. I get that. It's better if we part ways mutually. And it right. is. I, right. I, I absolutely agree with that decision. And again, I think it's it's refreshing to see two men who obviously 
I think you have to have a bit of an ego to be in that kind of position of power. To have two men in, in positions of power like that be able to come to an amicable agreement, I applaud that. And, and I think everyone should, and we should move on, realize that this is the end of the tenure. Let's move on and, and let's try and figure out who the next head coach is going to be. Because ultimately, that's what really matters here. Right. Virginia Tech is in a precarious position as a football program. And the fact that you've got so many people spending time trying to figure out whether or not Justin Fuentes' extra belongings are sitting on the floor in the Virginia Tech football locker room. Worried about the wrong stuff. Ridiculous. Worried about the wrong stuff. You, you, Bingo. You're worried about the and, – and, but you know what? So many people have been worried about the wrong stuff for years. So, okay. It, it, for, for, a lot, for a lot of these people, it hasn't been about the results. It's been about the other stuff. And now that and now that everyone's supporting them because Justin Fuente hasn't been very good for the last three seasons, it's easy to dunk on them. And I just I, I don't like it at all. I think it's disgusting. And I, I wish that the entirety of the Tech fan base could move on. Okay, so what do we learn from this though? I think that maybe we could talk about this at the end with maybe mistakes that Justin Fuente made and if you were him, what would you have done differently? But in terms of Whit Babcock, as Tim Thomas mentioned, you hired Tommy Tuberville at Cincinnati. That went up in flames. Now you've hired Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech, and you've fired Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. So this next head coaching decision is ultimately going to cement his legacy one way or another as the athletic director at Virginia Tech, despite all the good things that have happened across the other programs within the department because football is king. Football is the moneymaker. As good as wrestling is, as good as men's basketball could get, this is always going to be a football school. So now with Babcock has a tough decision on his hands. What went wrong with the Justin Fuente hire? What was overlooked? And now what needs to be focused on as we try to create a pool of candidates and ultimately a final decision on who's going to lead this program going forward? I'll take this one first. What went wrong, in my opinion, is that uh, Justin Fuente put too much of a reliance with his staff hires on potential rather than experience. Uh, this was something that was several years over. But if you think about the defensive coordinator hire of Justin Hamilton, I, I, we all acknowledge that Justin Hamilton is an up and coming young coach, but he was not experienced enough to take the defensive coordinator job in Blacksburg over from Bud Foster. You know, um, that was a mistake. You lost Holman Wiggins to Alabama, the wide receivers coach, and you hired Zon Burden, who then you moved to running backs coach, who wasn't recruiting well. And then you fire him. You bring in Jafar Williams as your receivers coach, and he couldn't recruit well, and the receivers weren't well coached. Your running backs coach is Adam Lechtenberg. Adam Lechtenberg is a very good recruiter, but he had no experience coaching running backs. So you were kind of plugging holes with guys who weren't qualified for the position that they were in. Um, this was something that we saw frequently across the staff. You also saw a loyalty thing, right? With, with Justin Fuente being too loyal to some of his assistants to the point where he wouldn't make the tough decision to make a change. And obviously the most glaring uh, person to point to is Brad Cornelson, the offensive coordinator where they probably should have made a change at least a couple of years ago and they refused to. And now we're seeing the offensive dumpster fire that it's been for most of the year. Inexcusable how bad the offense has been given the talent that's on it. Um, this is not a talent issue at Virginia tech. Is Virginia tech the most talented offense on the planet? No, but they're way better than what they're performing at. So that's an offensive coordinator issue. And 
uh, you didn't want to make that decision. So, you know, ultimately he was loyal to a fault to a degree. Um, I don't think he prioritized hiring guys who had been there and done that. Um, and I think to a degree that really hurt him. And then one other thing, kind of a sidebar, but it ties in is that he didn't hire a staff that could recruit in the ACC or was ready to recruit in the ACC. And for a couple of years, it worked out, but once you started losing some of your top assistants, right, you lost Bud Foster, you lost Holman Wiggins, um, Zon Burden didn't pan out, right? Um, once you started losing guys, you know, to other schools and you brought in the guys who replaced me, you weren't a good recruiting staff, right? And that's something that failed Justin Puente certainly over the last couple of years and something he was fixing uh, because Virginia Tech had a, has a top 25 class uh, currently. It won't, it won't end that way because we know the guys will leave the recruiting class, but he had a top 25 class here this year. And that was more towards the standard that was set before him by Frank Beamer. It was much better than the last two classes that he put out there. So it, it wasn't as much of, Oh, Whit Babcock failed by selecting Justin Fuente because this thing wasn't a total failure for six years. Right. I mean, we, we all know Fuente won 19 games in two years, had really successful first two years in Blacksburg, but it was what happened after that with some of the hires that were made and the decisions to keep coaches that probably didn't deserve to be there. I think that's what ultimately did Justin Fuente in. So it was more of a Fuente thing and less of a Whit Babcock thing in terms of hiring Fuente, in my opinion. Rick, do you agree or what are your thoughts? Sorry, I was on mute. If you're looking for a, a very detailed rundown of the issues that plagued Justin Fuente while he was at Virginia Tech, uh, go read Andy Bitter's piece at The Athletic. Um, it is a very, very well uh, written, uh, very in-depth, very well-documented piece. Uh, it's as bad of it about as exhaustive as it gets in terms of exploring all of the reasons. Um, I was actually considering putting together a piece similar to that, but I'm just going to promote Andy's instead because I think it's quite good. Um, ultimately, the the issue that plagued Fuente the most was player development, in my opinion. And that kind of is ties into what Mike was just referring to in that Virginia Tech's assistant coaches, I just don't think, got it done. And that falls on Justin Fuente, ultimately. Um, the biggest place to look is the quarterback room and the constant instability and lack of growth at quarterback um, was evident from 2018 on. You know, Josh Jackson played decent football in 2017 and in 2018 everyone was expecting that he would make that jump and he really didn't and then he got hurt um ryan willis never made that jump hendon hooker never really made that jump until he went to tennessee so all these guys that have been in the room and i didn't even mention quincy patterson those guys just didn't develop and didn't grow and didn't didn't achieve their full potential and that was just kind of emblematic of the entire program really because there were a lot of guys that were brought into this program that had a lot of tools to work with and those tools were never polished and uh, Devin Hunter is an obvious example we can talk about Dax Hollifield um, who even though he has been a, um, a starter and someone who's been you know available every week he hasn't really progressed to the level that people thought he could play at so the, the player development issues in Blacksburg are paramount as far as I'm concerned. 
That was never really a problem in the heyday of the Frank Beamer era. That's kind of how Frank made his made his living was getting players to play above their ceiling. And it's really difficult, but that's what the good coaches do. And um, you see it across the country at programs that are a bit less fortunate in terms of resources. And um, that's how Virginia Tech has made its name. And that just didn't happen under Justin Fuente, especially over the last three to four seasons. Indeed, indeed. And perhaps Fuente was a little bit in over his head. Maybe he was still making that adjustment from being a coordinator. I mean, he was only head coach at Memphis for a short time. And of course, he was the hot name on the list back in 2015. The Virginia Tech job comes calling and, you know, maybe the X's and O's were there. Obviously, I wouldn't doubt his knowledge of football, but it seems the things that you're touching on are more centered on being the CEO of a program, especially a power five program at Virginia tech, where you're not going to be able to get away with some of the things that you got away with at Memphis. And notably he was never handed a guy like Paxton Lynch, who, you know, at the AAC level and really probably even at the college level generally was someone that was going to put any competent offensive minded coach in a position to succeed. But no, moving forward, right? Babcock railed off a little bit of a wish list today. Proven track record, fits the values of Virginia Tech, will engage the community, uh, leader, CEO with character, teacher and educator, vision, recruiting ability, player evaluation and development, will hire a great staff, comfortable with being at the top of the ACC, will thrive in the new NCAA structure with discipline. And you're looking at some of the names that are being thrown out there, and it seems that people want to just kind of fill the holes in what they thought Fuente brought to the table, right? And we see that all the time in life. You know, you go from Holmesy George W. Bush, Holmesy Southern guy, to you know, eloquent African American guy in Barack Obama, you know, ultimate politician. Then you go to Trump, who's bombastic and says whatever the hell he thinks. And then you switch to Biden, who at least was supposed to resemble a return to normalcy. People just want the opposite of what they just had. So it's tempting to want some enthusiastic guy that's going to win the press conference. But at the end of the day, I think that you want to get the whole picture. You want to have someone that doesn't have the same weaknesses as Fuente, but he's just a more overall well-rounded candidate. So what weaknesses do need to be addressed? They got to have a player development type coach. They have to have a guy who understands how to recruit Virginia. doesn't mean he necessarily needs to be from Virginia, but has at least a familiarity with recruiting the region uh, to some degree. Um, and they have to have a guy who understands the community of Blacksburg. I think that uh, that's not something that's necessarily like the the top notch on on the on the punch list for for Whit Babcock. But you have to have somebody who embraces the community in Blacksburg. Not to say that Justin Fuente didn't, but I, I think that's just something you want to add to the list. Somebody who's going to be a part of the community, and you know, somebody who's going to get the most out of his players and win football games first and foremost. And you know, we saw the player development issues crop up even more than the recruiting. And I've said this multiple times on the podcast where, 
you know, we, we can point to the recruiting issues at Virginia Tech from a depth standpoint, but a lot of the starting talent this year for Virginia Tech is four-star talent, and that talent wasn't getting it done and hasn't really developed over the span of the last few years. And that's really the reason why Virginia Tech's issues have cropped up. You know, that it's, it's a multitude of reasons, but they got to find a guy who can develop and get the most out of his talent because Virginia Tech is a school that it's not overly difficult to recruit to, but it's difficult enough to recruit to. Like, you're never going to turn Virginia Tech into a top five recruiting power. I just don't think that's realistic, but you can, t- you can turn Virginia Tech into a consistent top 20 recruiting power. I think that's possible. And then you have to find a guy who gets the most out of that top 20 talent uh, to compete in the ACC. So that's who you got to look for, a guy who's going to elevate the standard from a player development and a recruiting standpoint. So that's what you got to go after. Uh, I don't know who that guy is. I mean, there are a, a million candidates that have been thrown around. The, the common ones are Billy Napier at, at Louisiana and Jamie Chadwell at Coastal, Will Healy at Charlotte. You know, we've we've heard of Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. I think if you're going player development, I think Wake, Wake Forest, you know, it, it's clear that they can develop the players that they recruit. The, the question there would be, how are you going to recruit? Because you can't recruit at a Wake Forest level in Blacksburg. We've seen that doesn't work. So, there are a number of candidates out there and I'm wondering if Witt has a guy circled that's on everybody's list or if he has a guy circled that's on nobody's list. And it's not really being talked about one name that I saw thrown around that I think would be interesting that hasn't really come up. David Hale from ESPN mentioned this is Blake Anderson at Utah state. Blake Anderson was uh, Larry Fedora's offensive coordinator at Carolina for the first few years of his career. Carolina had a bunch of really good offenses. You guys will remember with Marquise Williams um, and Mitch Trubisky towards the beginning of uh, the Fedora tenure, and then Blake Anderson moved on to Arkansas State, where he led a very good program. He had national headlines because his wife was battling cancer. She eventually passed away, and Blake Anderson went out to Utah State. He took over a one in five a program that was one in five last year. They're eight and two this year. Um, a, a very good football program now. So there's no doubt he can coach. There's no doubt he's relatable. Um, he's a guy who communicates well. Uh, he's an interesting candidate that I heard today for the first time that I think would be a fit in Blacksburg. I don't know if that's the route that Whit Babcock will even consider going, but that's an interesting name I heard today for the first time that I think would be an intriguing candidate. It has to be, it has to be somebody that can can develop players and, and develop talent because Mike, like you mentioned, Virginia Tech is not going to make their living recruiting like Ohio State, right? So Tech has to approach things from a different angle. Um, the The cultural fit is definitely important, but that go, that, that cultural fit extends outside Blacksburg. Um, relating to folks within the, the Commonwealth is incredibly important. That's something that, that Justin Fuente admittedly um, struggled with part of his tenure was that his guys were not connecting in state and um there is a lot of talent in this state uh it's not georgia it's not florida it's not texas but there's a lot of a lot of guys here that can play football and they play football particularly well and you, you have to get your share of those guys um i think those are kind of the two main things i think being able to run the program as the ceo is incredibly important um having the having that that leadership ability is almost more important and actually i think it is more important than x's and o's um that stuff can be left to 
your assistants. Ultimately, your your head coach in college football needs to be much more of an executive than they do a, a scheme guy, uh, I think. So finding someone who has that background uh, is incredibly important. I think there are a lot of names out there um, that are decent. Quite frankly, none of the names that I have seen thus far I find really intriguing. Uh, there are a few names that I I would be pretty happy with if Virginia Tech went that route. Um, but one thing I will mention, and this is something that I saw on Twitter um, earlier this morning, um, chances are Whip Babcock has a really good eye as to who he's going to hire already. He if might have already secured hires, it. You know, you consider how quickly yeah, he's done it in the past. I was just about to say, if you look at his hire of Kenny Brooks, you look at his hire of Mike Young, you look at his hire of Justin Fuente, these hires happen and they're announced usually around a week or sometimes earlier. So there is a pretty good chance that, that Whip Babcock has at least a short list, and he's probably already had these conversations. Um, I certainly hope that he's at the short list stage already. It's kind of hard to have the conversations with guys at this point because everyone's still playing football. But um, there is a way to go about that. Whit mentioned that in his press conference today. Um, but this is an incredibly important hire, not just for the program, but for Whit Babcock in his career. Um, and that's something that, I, I, again, I don't think enough people are mentioning. And I'm very, very happy that Tim Thomas brought this up in the press conference today. Whit Babcock's hiring of football coaches has not gone particularly well and as good as he has been on the the basketball and the non-revenue sport front um it all can be overshadowed by your inability to find a leader of your football program and with Babcock negotiated a contract extension not too long ago which effectively secured his ability to hire the next head coach we talked about that on the podcast. Um, but if he doesn't get this right, this will be his last hire at Virginia Tech. Um, so this needs to be done as well as he's hired any any coach ever. He, he's got he's to gotta nail this. Are there any names that you've seen floated out there, you know, popular names that have been thrown that you just want to say, absolutely not right here, right now, not going to happen, can't happen? Uh, um, not go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, uh, Will Healy and Jamie Chadwell. I'm good. I'm good on both those guys. Like coastal Carolina has been good for a year and Charlotte is still not very good. So I'm not sure I, you know, he has like club lit in the locker room or whatever. Like that's, that's a lot of flash, but no like actual substance. So I'm, I'm good on both those guys. Will Healy can go to Duke. Yeah. I, I actually think Will Healy would be a great fit at Duke. Uh, they, they, I think much they better fit some of that, but I would, I would agree on Chadwell and, and uh, Healy. I'm not a fan of either of those. Um, to be quite honest, I'm not a huge fan of Billy Napier. Um, I, I'm a bit less against that than the other two that we mentioned, but I, I, I really think the tech needs to go either the, the P5 route or they need to go a bit outside the box. And 
And that's why I've, I've mentioned the, the Byron Leftwich name, which actually caught some traction earlier today uh, from Marty Smith uh, at ESPN, which I thought was very interesting. Um, but I am, I, I'm very, very on the fence about Billy Napier, to be honest. Why is that? Does it just feel like Justin Fuente 2.0 to you or something? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I, I appreciate Napier's experience at the P five level as a coordinator. Um, but the Sun Belt is still the Sun Belt and winning there. I don't know that it means much to be quite honest. Um, again, the, the leadership factor is incredibly important and being able to run a power five program is not easy. And, um, it's hard to find a guy that is currently doing that, that you can bring to Virginia tech. I'm not even sure that Dave Clawson is interested to be quite honest. Um, he would be probably my one, a guy, uh, for, for the Hokies. Um, but I am, I, I, I have a bit of buyer's remorse on the whole hiring a G five head coach. Who's hot. I, I have a bit, a bit of remorse on that. I'm there. I'm there with you. I, I would take Napier over Healy and Shadwell certainly, but I'm, I'm not yes, 100. Yes. I'm not like 110% sold that he's the guy. Like some people are. I don't, I'm I don't not, see I'm it necessarily. I'm not 100% sold on one right now that any right. names that I've seen. Right. But in terms of the names that I have seen, um, Dave Clawson is one, a, uh, fire left, which would either be one B or number two. Uh, I'm still, I haven't seen anyone mention his name other than my buddy, Steven Newman, who, uh, was irritated that I didn't shout him out on the pod when I mentioned this last, uh, Tim Beck, the offensive coordinator at NC state, um, uh, someone who has a lot of, of power five experience, though not as a head coach. Um, that's a name that I, I would find a little interesting. Uh, but for me, Lawson left which are two names that I, I, I keep coming back to Mike I'm gonna have to do some research into your man Anderson that you just mentioned because um, that his his situation sounds intriguing I just need to do a bit more research yeah yeah and his last uh, year or two at Arkansas State you know they were okay I think he needed a change there was a lot but you got kind of take it with a grain of salt too because his wife was dying so that's you know there was a lot going on there on that front a little bit of a pass uh what yeah. about Hugh Freeze Hugh Freeze's name has been mentioned a lot no got power I, I, no, I you mentioned that I am 100% off the Hugh Freeze train uh it is not a cultural fit um Virginia Tech will be on NCAA sanctions within three years um I will I will pass hard on Hugh Freeze I don't think it's likely all right, over under a week from I guess a week from tomorrow would be Thanksgiving. All right. Is the hire announced before or after the UVA game? After. I'm gonna say after because I think it may be a sitting head coach. So I'm gonna say after. Uh yes, I will agree. I will go after. I guess I'll go after two. 
All right, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? I'm sure we'll talk about this all at length more over the course of the next few weeks. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, we're going to have another podcast coming up in what a day or two to talk yeah. about Miami. So we can have plenty of discussions there. But um, again, I, I just want to encourage everyone on Twitter to think before you hit send, have some class, be respectful. And um, if you've ever been fired, you understand what that's like. I understand that, Andrew, to use a term you mentioned earlier, that Justin Fuente's got a a pretty nice golden parachute to to land with but um anytime you get fired it's a bit it's a bit difficult as someone who's lost his job unwillingly i understand that yeah i'm there uh best of luck to fuente and his family uh thought he was a good representative of virginia tech thank you for being a, a classy individual every time that him and i interacted i appreciate everything that um, all the interactions that I have with him, he was very professional, very friendly, and I wish him nothing but the best. I really do hope that he lands at uh, uh, another school, and I hope he has a great career there. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know why some people want to act like he tried to tank the football program. Ultimately, they're doing it for attention on social media. The leadership of Virginia Tech made the decision to keep him for as long as they did. And today, Tuesday, November the 16th, he is no longer the head coach of Virginia Tech. We move forward. Best of luck to him. You know, he tried. His family sacrifices a lot. It's a extremely demanding job. And yeah, wish him all the best going forward. All right, gentlemen, well, we'll talk again. 24 hours, 48 hours. A little Miami preview action. Yep. Sounds like a plan. All right. Well, rate, review, subscribe, folks. Okie Hangover Podcast, Andrew Alex, Mike McDaniel, Ricky LeBlue. We'll be back soon. The future is coming, and we will be with you every step of the way as that path is laid out. Until then, go Hokies. 